If you have your Bibles handy with you, I like to bring a Bible to church because that's, you know, the right book, right? There's lots of books out there, but, uh, boy, you get the right one in the right place. The Bible's the right one to bring to church. It's what we preach out of and teach out of. And so I want to go to 1 Corinthians, um, the 15th chapter. And there I want to read something that Paul has pouring his heart out a little bit to this church of Corinth here. The 15th chapter and the first verse. Brothers, I reveal to you the gospel which I preach to you, which you also received in which you also stand, by which also you are being saved if you hold fast the word which I preach to you unless you believe it in vain. For I delivered to you in the first place what I also received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he has been raised on the third day, according to the Scriptures, and that he was seen by Peter and the twelve, and then he was seen by over 500 brothers at once of whom the most remain until now, but some also fell asleep or passed away. Then he was seen by James and then by all the apostles. And last of all, even as if to be one born out of time, he also was seen by me. For I am the least of the apostles, who am not sufficient to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God, but by the grace of God I am what I am. And his grace, which was toward me, was not without fruit, but I labored more abundantly than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God with me. Therefore, whether they or I, so we preach, and so you believed. Lord, we just ask you this morning, O God, that this message that we have this morning, I pray that it will touch, that it will move. God, your word always does something in our life. If we're willing and we open our heart, your word gets in there. Lord, for it is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, and it divides asunder. It divides suke and numa, soul and spirit. Lord, is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. So we ask you this morning, Lord, that you would just press this word upon us and that we would be better for it in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen and amen. And so, as you know, we um, I don't typically preach uh, seasonal messages or messages that go with the time. That's not something that I've always done. In fact, you might come on an Easter time, and we may be preaching uh, who knows what, but it won't have anything to do with Easter. Uh, come at Christmas time, and, and of course, those two, those two uh, phrases, I don't take to anyway, but come Christmas time, and 
and uh, get the family together. We're going to go to church on Christmas time and get there. I'm not preaching anything about that, the Lord's birth or anything. It was like, what? But it is, it is um, this morning, I, I, I know that, um, you know, the elephant is in the room, and so we're going to speak to him and, uh, and address it a little bit this morning. And so I want to talk about what's left behind, what is left behind. And uh, so let me start by just bringing some natural things, and then we'll go to a spiritual thing, but a legacy is left behind. You don't take it with you. You leave it behind. The ancient man Job, the first writer of any scriptures, they said Job is the first book that's ever been written. And Job... Um, left a legacy for us. He knew this. He said, naked I came into the world, and naked I shall return. Now, he's got that figured out. Most of us don't. We think that we're taking stuff with us, but we're not. The pharaohs thought they were taking stuff with them. Into the next life, the afterlife, they were going to take. And so they were buried with their most precious treasures, only to find out that grave robbers and people got in and stole all those things. Of course, they didn't go beyond, but their legacy was left there. The thing about this man, Job, the first one that Scripture writes about, and a man who, who God knew as his servant, his faithful servant, and the legacy of Job was that this man went through trial that you and I have not tasted. We haven't even begun to understand what he went through, the loss of everything. He lost his finances first, everything that he had, very wealthy man, lost it all. He lost his children. They were gathered together in a house, and that house, the wind blew the house down on the children. He lost every one of his children. He lost his wife who came to him and said, Job, just curse God and die. He lost his health. He was sitting in an ash pile scraping himself to try and relieve himself from the itching and pain as sores, cancerous sores that were on his body. He lost his friends who turned on him and said, Job, you must be a sinner for all this to happen to you. But Job didn't lose his faith. He said, though God slay me, yet I will trust him. And though the flesh worms eat this body, in the last day I will see him. I'm telling you, the legacy that this man left, think about it. This was one of the first ever to be published as a God-fearing man. And we have gleaned from him, but they started gleaning from him way back. Old Testament, ancient men. And for all these many thousands of years, they have gleaned from a man who left a legacy, a trail for people to look at, to follow, to see this is what a man does that believes in God. Can you say amen? 
<coughs> even the New Testament will speak of Job. Don't you remember the patience of Job? References to Job in the New Testament because of this man's legacy, not to just us here now, but this man's legacy that has come down through thousands of years by the purposes of God in his life. An inheritance is left behind. Mm. Proverbs, the 13th chapter and 22nd verse, it says, A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. A good man. That, that's a scripture thing. And I know, and you've seen it, and I've seen it in the, on the back of motorhomes. <coughs> They're just lacking one bumper sticker. The one bumper sticker says, I'm spending my children's inheritance. And then the next bumper sticker should say, and you're going to a rest home when you're done. <laughs> a good man leaves an inheritance to it, not only his children, his children's Children, and I think that inheritance isn't always about money because not everybody has that kind of money to leave. <clears throat> but there is a legacy and an inheritance that is left to our children and to our children's children. I like this. The New Testament said this about our inheritance. In Jesus Christ, we are left an inheritance, uncorruptible and undefiled, that never fades away. I appreciate the fact that there is an inheritance for you and I. We are in that inheritance. I like what Jesus said. Come and inherit the kingdom <coughs> that the Father has set up for the children to come into. And so we're waiting for a final inheritance. But right now, we are living in an inheritance that Jesus laid down for you and I. A legacy that he laid, an inheritance that he laid that will not fade away, it's incorruptible, it's undefiled, and forever, as long as the earth stands, that inheritance is there for those who want to partake of the inheritance that Jesus left us. Jesus said something in John 14, chapter and 27th verse, and, and uh, Brother Chris, <coughs> Wednesday night, spoke on this a little bit. It was very good about the peace that the scripture talks about is not the absence of war, but that peace is a wholeness, that, that peace over our life, the wholeness of our life. Jesus said this, peace I leave with you. He didn't take it. He had to leave it. My peace I give unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither be afraid. Listen, the impact of your life is what you leave behind. You'll never know the impact of your life. You're gone, and what you left behind for your children, your children's children, your brethren, as far as ministers, what we have left behind in the congregation, those things are going to define who we were. I mean, you can take life, and some lead life in just selfishness and self-centeredness and 
only think of taking and never of giving. I need a supply for myself. I don't care about other people. It's about me. I only run this thing one time, and so I want to enjoy it as I go. And I'm not going to sacrifice that much. I might just sacrifice a little. I might give a little, but... But really, your legacy for your children, for your children's children, for your brethren, for your church body is going to be about what you did and how you spent your life. And then if you have lived in selfishness and self-centeredness, then you wonder why when you get older that no one wants anything to do with you. That's just, that's just some good common knowledge for you. If you live selfish, you can just expect to be lonely when you get old. And the church say amen right there. <coughs> but others, others leave purposeful provision in the field. I thought about Boaz and Ruth, and you know that Ruth was a Moabitess, that she had married into uh, Judaism and that her mother-in-law Naomi took her back as as her husband died Naomi's son had died and and now she's a daughter-in-law but she says to Naomi I want to go back with you to Bethlehem goes back with her says your people are going to be your people and your God is going to be my God and now this this young lady Ruth who has no provision of her own she needs help. She needs somebody to leave something behind for her. And Boaz said this, I told his servants, leave handfuls of purpose for her in the field. As they went to cut down the, the weed or whatever it was, their crop, it was scriptural and biblical that you leave behind the tailings, don't pick it all up, and those that didn't have would go out in the fields and glean. But Boaz says, I'm going to leave something because let me tell you this, that leaving an inheritance, leaving a legacy, leaving provision is not accidental. It's something that you do very on purpose. If to this point in your life you haven't really been purposeful about that, may God just touch your heart in it because really it's what we leave behind. The legacy and inheritance and provision that we leave behind, it is a purposeful action in our life. It doesn't just happen just because we get old, just because we go on. It doesn't mean that we have left anything for those coming behind us and gleaning that they may have life too. But it is a purpose. We purpose in our heart. I purpose that I'm going to leave something for somebody that I'm going to give. I'm going to set something behind me that, that somebody also will have provision after that I have passed this direction. For the early apostles, this was a most important concept. What they would leave behind. You see, the church wasn't just a single generational church. A lot of people have treated it that way. It's just, you know, when I'm gone, hey, whatever. But then others say, no, the church is not single generational. The church has to continue and continue and continue. And so we have to leave and leave and leave behind. We have to leave legacy. We have to leave inheritance. We have to leave provision behind because it was important to the apostles that 
They didn't just get out and preach the gospel like the Lord had commissioned them to do. And then that when they're done, then, you know, whatever. Whatever happens to the church, okay, I'm gone, and it really doesn't matter to me anymore. I heard a man say that, and it just bothered me. He said, when I'm gone out of that place, then they could just do whatever they want to do. And that just kind of bugged me because, really, I need to leave something behind so that the apostles felt this way. I've got to leave something behind so that they will be able to continue. And they were concerned that they had established the church enough so that the church would survive and the church would keep going and the church, the ecclesia, the people that they had established, they had put into lives and they had ministered into people's lives this faith of the Lord Jesus Christ so that the point that when they were gone that it would continue to happen in their life and and this was their, their concern. Paul was very vocal about this and wrote many things about it. Peter, James, John, Jude, They all encouraged the saints, the church, to continue, to continue in what had been delivered to them. (coughs) I feel like then at this point that I and my departure from this place, from Anderson, California, and from California, and I think about it in this term this morning along with what I'm speaking is that at my departure that I would say the same thing. Keep what God has delivered here by way of ministry. It's a concern of mine that you keep it. Not the concern of a, of a true minister of the gospel that would say, well, people just, you know, they came for a time, they gave money for a time and No, but that that implant of the Spirit of God that's been invested year after year and, and month after month, week after week, sermon after sermon, that it has been purposeful, it has been intentional, that we're trying to leave an inheritance of the Lord Jesus Christ, an impact in people's lives that'll keep them longer than just a day or a week or a month, but it will keep you continually into the faith until the Lord should call you or the Lord should come. I want to echo Paul's words to the church of Galatia. I am not Paul. I don't pretend to be Paul or one of the apostles, but I do feel this, and I can, along with Paul, say this. I certify to you that the gospel I preached to you was not after man. For I neither received it from man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. If there's something that that Paul said about this that really just burns in my heart is this, that that I want to certify to you this morning. I like that King James uses that word, certify. In other words, I want to make it valid and uh, official this morning that what I have preached to you for 25 years was not a gospel made up of men. It was not something out of another book, a Bible help, a study, a preacher's guide. It didn't come from there. But everything that I preached to you 
in 25 years was a revelation that God laid in store in my heart, a revelation of Jesus Christ. It wasn't concocted from a school somewhere. It wasn't, I had no textbook. No one taught me the things that God revealed unto me. But I would take it directly as Paul said. It's just a revelation. And many of Paul's concepts and words were revealed to me. And I began to understand them and tried to share them with the church. That this thing is not about me. It's not about Paul. This thing is about a revelation of Jesus Christ in your life that's going to change you and you and make you into something that brings God glory. So I certify to you this morning that what I have preached to you has not been another man's message, but it has been by way of revelation of Jesus into my life. Can the church say amen? I hesitate here a little and I need to. Rodney did it and and Dustin and Chris did it too, so I'm okay. I speak, I never, I try hardly ever to speak about myself. I don't. You know, people think you brag, and, and somebody, I, that, that's not what I want to do this morning, but I just want to make mention of a couple of things. Kay and I, 25 years ago, looked at each other and said, what do we do now? Begin to pray and seek the Lord and God, what? Look, I'm a contractor. I'm not a preacher. I've been in church all my life. I'm a helper. I'm a teacher. I, I, I help with anything that needs to be done in the church. Call on me, Lord. I do it. But I don't want the responsibility of that. I don't know that I can even fill that, fill those shoes. And not, I mean, you can fill the shoes of a fake pastor. That doesn't take anything. You can be fake too. But to bring that responsibility, and I knew in my heart that, God, this, this, is, a, this is a responsibility. And, and the Lord just began to move on us to start that work in Cottonwood. And, and as Rodney made mention of, we were, we were in the house. And, uh, and I know that Brother Chris got to experience our house, right? Brother James got to experience our house. Anybody else, Dustin, that experienced the, the start in, in the house and... And then it began to go from there, and but, but the Lord began to speak into my spirit. And now Kay and I are, she'd come to me and say, say, now listen, I want you to tell me, well, you've been studying some things, the Lord's moving you. Now, I want you to tell me uh, an answer to this. And she'd ask me a question, and invariably I'd say, I can't answer that. I have to go back over here to answer that. No, 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 no. I want you to go back through all that again. But step by step, and concept by concept, and precept upon precept, and line upon line, and brick upon brick, the Lord began to move me out of where I was. Not that I didn't love, I loved the Lord with all my heart at that point, but he began to move me into this thing called revelation, and it just began to overtake. It began to overtake study. It began to overtake my mind as as I begin to, to get into the Greek New Testament and, and see some things that I hadn't seen before. And the Lord just began to do that in my life and to the point 
that we began to preach some things that, that really weren't taught. And for 25 years, men all around us taught the easy gospel that appealed to the desires of people. And I said, Lord, I don't want to preach that gospel. There's enough churches out there preaching the easy gospel that appeals to people. And so I said, God, just take me a different direction. And, and, and I don't want to be too hard in this thing, but I want to be firm in it. I don't want to be wishy-washy in it so that I'm going to preach it one day and the next day I'm not and then the next week. No, I want to stand it. And hopefully by the grace of God we have stood for what we have stood for. We have joined our faith, our, our hearts together. We have joined this, this body and ministry together and we've stood up and we've said that Jesus Christ is Lord and we're bringing him back to the church and we're bringing him back to the forefront of everything that happens in the church. And all glory is... It's not going to go to the church. It's going to him. And because of that, because of that, God has blessed us. So, well, we've never been the biggest church in town. I don't care about that. I never have cared about that. What I care about is do we have the biggest move of God in our spirit so, so that God is changing us and God is making us and God is forming us in his image. And that's always been our concern. Thus, there is no higher calling than to bring this gospel, this holy word of God, in its original intent. That crosses lines sometimes, and, and sometimes people say, man, you know, you just, you just really look. You're kind of out of touch with, with what's going on in, in, in Christianity, and here you're, you're preaching this old message in and I guess that's what God has called me to do is preach an old message. I don't have a new message for you, but the old message of the cross. Can you say amen? The old message of turning your life over to Jesus Christ. Take up your cross every day. Deny yourself. And we preach that message and we have boomed that message from this pulpit for 25 years and said, God, we want to get your original intent of the gospel, not a watered-down gospel. Can you say amen? amen? So you have experienced that with us. Somebody said, <coughs> if you're leading through the park and nobody's walking behind you, all you're doing is just having a walk. If you're preaching the gospel and you have no one to join with you, you're just preaching by yourself. But God has surrounded us. And I don't know if you're aware of this. But God has called your hearts to a gospel that's just a little different than some of the stuff that's been preached out there. And, and there's been a hunger demonstrated in your heart that says, I want to know Jesus Christ in a more reality way. And God has united and brought people to us and around us and I pray that I have left an impact into people's lives. I've been accused of being a dictator. And uh, I don't know, I think the people that know me say I am the last one to really tell anybody what to do. I'm not going to tell you what to do. You need to figure it out. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and help you. But I'm certainly not a dictator. Somebody said he's unloving. 
preaches the word without love, and I would contest that this morning. He's a heretic. How do you like being called a heretic? I, you know, does it disturb me? Not too much. Somebody told me I was a cult leader. That would make you feel good. Y'all are a cult. All I'm doing is leading. I've been called a lot of things, and it's been a long time, a lot of years, and there's a lot of people that can go, you know, go sour. And I've been, I've been accused of a lot of things, and none of them ever stuck. Um, I've been accused of, of mishandling the Word of God and, and just a whole lot of things. I've been falsely accused. I've been withstood. I've been dishonored. I've been rejected. But I'll tell you what I'm here for. None of that matters. I just keep on preaching the Christ life. It doesn't matter what people say. That's their opinion. It doesn't matter what the church downtown is doing. And I know occasionally we might announce from this pulpit that certain church said this or that in this valley. And you know, but really, really, that's not where we're at. We're not in competition with any church. We're not trying to straighten out any church. What we're trying to do is preach this Christ life. And God has brought brethren together who celebrated that message and said, yes, I want to be a part of that Christ life. I want to live that life. I want to know that life. I want to know Jesus in a way that he becomes so personal to me. And so with thousands of hours of study, thousands of hours, meditation and study, with thousands of fasting hours and thousands of hours in prayer, we've held some 4,000 services. That's a lot of services. 4,000 services. If I just count the Sunday mornings, which I used to preach more, I only preach on Sunday morning now, but I used to teach occasionally and, and do some classes and different things. And, but if I don't count any of that, I've come to this pulpit, including formerly we had a different pulpit, but I've come to the church pulpit some 1,300 times. And the message that I preach, if I got up another 1,300 times, is going to be the same message that we have always preached. There's no need to change it. There's no need to go to another message. You need to go to a message that, that really is, you know, fits a little better to our time. It just, you know, this, is, this message is just not going to cut what we need. Well, I'm going to tell you what, I've abandoned everything else, I've let everything else go, and I'm staying with one gospel because I believe that one gospel is the right gospel of Jesus Christ. I believe that when I lift him up, that he will draw all men unto him. So it's all been for the purpose of birthing Christ in people's lives. I never imagined building a mega church. I didn't, I can't see. When the Lord turned around and said, where did the crowd go? He had a mega church going for a while. Thousands. Well, he, they came out to hear him, 5,000 in the wilderness, plus men, uh, women and children. That was just the men. He had a mega church going. 
He preached a message one day because he didn't want them to get the wrong idea of what the gospel was. And when he was all done, he looked around and found 12. You need to change your message, Lord. It's kind of what they said to him. Don't you know you're offending people? He looked at Peter and said, Peter, are you offended at me too? Peter said, no, Lord. No, 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 no. You have the words of eternal life. Where else can we go? I want that to ring in your heart. When I am gone from this place, I want that to ring in your heart. Lord, you have the words of eternal life. Now, you're going to hear a lot of preaching. You're going to hear different preachers and different things and different church groups. But I want you to know this, that he has the words of eternal life. That, that no man comes to God unless they come in him. I want you to know that he is foremost. He is head of the church. I want you to know this morning that there's a lot of worship. There's a lot of God talk. There's a lot of things. But Jesus, our Lord, the name of our Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ, Yeshua Hamashiach, he is more powerful than all the power in the world. His name is elevated above all other names. It will never come down. It will always be high and lifted up. And so just being faithful servants, we have declared the revelation of the person of Jesus Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach. There's a lot of Christendom that is lacking the concept of the person of Jesus Christ. But we've preached it. We've taught it. We have lived it. And this I deliver to you this morning. I have to believe this is where Paul was in 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter. He's recounting his efforts. Paul is now, I think at this point, he is in prison. He's writing to the church that he's been to and helped establish, writing back to them. And what he wants to do by his letter, I think it's found in this 15th chapter along. There's, there's so much in, in Corinthians, but he's trying to get them to understand that what they've heard, what they've been taught, what he's preached to them, that's the gospel that they need to stay with. He said, this gospel, he said, I reveal to you this gospel in which you have received it and you stand in it and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast the word which I preached to you. Paul wasn't saying if you hold fast to the apostle Paul and say I'm of Paul that you're going to be saved. That's not what he's saying. It is the word that he preached to them. In other words, he comes in another place and says, if there comes somebody else preaching another gospel. Now listen closely to me because there's another gospel going out everywhere. And they're preaching another Jesus, something besides what I have laid down for you. This is the apostle speaking. Something other than Christ that I preached to you, let them be accursed. In other words, don't buy into it. Everything that says God, everything that says Jesus is not of him. But there has been laid in your hearts here this morning, I want to say to you, there has been laid in your hearts a foundation 
of this true gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't let anyone corrupt that gospel that you've been taught. This is what Paul's saying. And I would echo that this morning because I believe that with all my heart that we haven't preached a false gospel and that's why we said we certify that we have come to you with a gospel that's going to fix your life and that you're going to know Jesus. Now I want to uh, backtrack and believe it or not, I'm finishing. Let's backtrack to his physical departure from the churches. This is a rough one. This is where everybody cries. Acts, the 20th chapter and 21st chapter, he has set his eyes upon going back to Jerusalem. And, and now the Spirit of the Lord says, if you go back there, you're going to be arrested. And uh, so he's stopping by the churches in chapter 20, calls for the elders of Ephesus, and they come out to him. And it said, the elders fell on his neck and wept. knowing that they wouldn't see his face anymore. He had established them. He had birthed them. He had poured his heart into that church, and this is just the Ephesus church. They fell on his neck and began to weep, and they were weeping, crying, because they wouldn't see his face anymore. But I believe his retort to that is, you won't see my face anymore. But what I've preached to you is going to live in your heart. He goes down then to the other churches and on his way to Jerusalem and same thing happens again. Now listen. They weren't crying because he was a good guy. They weren't crying because he just hung out with them and he was just one of the guys and, and he was a loving guy. And he did a lot of community service. And so we just honor him and love him. because No, no, it was a different value. And the value was this. Because he preached the anointed word of God to them, which saved their lives and brought them into the life in Jesus Christ. This is why they're sorrowful. Not because the man Paul is leaving, but because what he represents to them is the birthing of Jesus Christ into their life. And now they're sorrowful because they won't see him anymore. But what he has declared to them will live continually in them and you will be saved, he says, if you follow that gospel that has been delivered unto you all of this time. I want you to know that the churches did follow. Thank the Lord. Thank God they didn't just fall out when he left. Well, he's gone now. We might as well just fold up shop. They didn't. They kept on living for Jesus. And they were in homes and they were out by rivers and they were the places that they were when Paul visited them. They didn't have big, nice buildings and things, but those brethren got together. They strengthened and encouraged one another. They kept faithful in the Lord. The ministry kept working in their lives. The presbytery, the elders, the deacons, the saints, they all held on to the gospel, and it's because of them. It's because they held fast. It's because they continued in the faith. It's all of those things that they did that we are here this morning. We didn't get here by ourselves. We got here because somebody left something behind them 
them so that we could follow it and we would know the same Savior that they knew and that is that church that followed the word of God and kept on believing that Jesus Christ really is the answer to our lives. Amen, amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. It is because of them, those, not just Paul, because of those that continued in the faith that we also stand here this morning and like Jude said, we contend for the faith that was once delivered into the hands of the saints. Can you see it? The apostles are gone. What do we do now? Now you live. You live that life that they have delivered. You hand it over to your children. Your children are going to hand it to their children and their children and their children. And it will finally, Jesus said, I pray not only for these, but I pray for those that will come after them, that they influence, that these men will leave behind them such a trail of the gospel that we later, 2,000 years, 2,000 years, the gospel is still exactly the same as they delivered it to the saints it was delivered by the apostles, by Jesus, to the saints, and it has not strayed from its moorings this morning. Can you say that? Awesome. Awesome. I'm going to tell you what I plan to do. I want to make a pact with you this morning. Going or staying or whatever. We plan to deliver that faith that we received in the purest form possible to the next generation following us. How many will say amen to that? That's what I plan to do. I don't care where I'm at. That's what I plan to do. Deliver this gospel over to the next generation. Because I'm going to tell you something. There is no life like this life. Everything the devil has can't compare to one of the glories that God has for our life. Everything the devil has is destructive. It will tear you down. It will chew you up and spit you out. But everything that God wants to do in your life is going to lift you and bless you and glorify. It's going to bring you strength. It's going to bring you life. It's going to hold your families together. It's going to hold your children together. It's going to keep you in times of testing and trial. And so what the devil has this morning is no match for just one of the glories that we shall receive from the Lord. Old Brother Davis shook his head. His face would shake. We call him jowls. He'd shake his jowls. He said, this is the good life. <laughs> and I believe that with all of my heart. How many of you believe that this morning? This is the good life. I want to finish with some scriptural terms, and then we're going to go out and eat and enjoy fellowship. Hold fast. Hold fast. What does that mean? Well, I think that if you were, there's been times in my life, and in fact, let me use yesterday. I'm moving a piece of furniture. My fingers are slipping, and the thing weighs about, I don't know, a couple hundred pounds, and I don't want it on my toes. 
and I've got to hold fast, even though my fingers are slipping. Grip it. Hold it. Keep it. The gospel that you have, keep it. Don't let it slip. I've always been this way. I don't know what other people are doing. I know what I'm doing. I don't know if people believe what I believe or or if people are walking what direction they walk, but I know what I'm doing. I'm going to hold fast to what I believe. Can you say amen? I'm not letting go. I don't care who comes by and says this or that or or somebody invites me to go to a special place and I hear a sermon and it is not what I know. I'm holding fast to what I know. I'm not changing my heart. I'm not changing my belief. I'm not changing what I feel about my Lord. I am holding fast. And then the scripture says, when you have done all to stand, then just give up and give in and, and just you know let it go. No. When you've done all to stand, then stand therefore. And you'll never know that until you have been faced with the idea of standing down and giving up and quitting. When you come to that place in your life, when people are against you, when it doesn't seem like circumstances are in your favor, it doesn't seem like that you're going to make it to the next day. Listen, stand. Therefore, stand in the Lord. Stand in Him. Don't take a step in a different direction. Stand, therefore, in the Lord. Keep the faith. Say, well, that's up to other individuals. They can, no, no, no. You, each one of you this morning, the directive is to you. Keep the faith. I don't know if you're aware that there's a lot of bewares in the New Testament. One of them in, in, in 2 Colossians, the second chapter, rather, uh, Colossians, second chapter. Beware. Lest somebody comes in with philosophy. With somebody comes in with the world's ideas. Beware of that. And don't let go of what you have learned in Christ Jesus. Can you say amen? Well, everybody's saying amen to that because it's so important. There's so much philosophy out. There's so many people that have so many different ideas. Endure hardship. I don't like hardship. Anybody here like hardship? Something wrong with you if you like hardship. For the Christian life, you know what? It's going to be easy. It's just going to be like... Wow, just jump on a, the ride and away we go. No, 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 no. Endure hardship. As a good soldier, we've got some, some people who have served in the service here. And sometimes you're going to get into places that are hard to deal with. It's likened to the Christian life. What do you do? Do you turn your back? Do you walk away? Do you give up and say, no, I'm not fighting anymore? No, you endure hardship like a good soldier. So you're going to come into some stuff which disappointing. You may be disappointed this morning in some things. There may be some hurts in your life right now. There may be some things you're up against in your spirit, but I'm encouraging you this morning to endure hardship, holy trust in Jesus' name. Holy.
mean? Not H-O-L-Y, but holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y, holy, completely trust in Jesus' name. Keep your trust in him, not in people, not in stuff, not in various churches and ideas and doctrines. Keep your faith, your trust, holy in Jesus Christ. Walk this Christ life out every single day of your life. Get up in the morning and begin walking for Jesus. At noon, walk for him. In the evening, walk for him. When you get ready to take your sleep at night, consider him. Walk before him. And I want to tell you what, the reward of that is there is a crown of righteousness laid up for you and not only you, but me and everyone who believes in the name of the Lord. There's a crown of glory and righteousness. There is a reuniting of the saints together. I may never see some of you again ever in this life, but I will tell you this. We will get in glory together. We will shout around the throne of God somewhere around the throne of God where the saints are found. We're going to join our praise together in Jesus Christ. Can you say an amen there? Amen. And amen. And amen. Would you stand together with me? Thank you, Lord. Oh, we love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Bless your name, Lord. I just want to finish with I love you, Lord. And I lift